I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Hey everybody, this is Richard Deitch and welcome to the Sports Media Podcast. My producer is Patrick Antonetti. Two guests this week, they are regulars on this podcast. Chad Finn is from the Boston Globe. Austin Karp is from Sports Business Journal. I, uh, I appreciate them making some time for me as we head to the July 4th as well as Canada Day weekend. And we discuss a number of things. The main topic is going to be the biggest sports media stories of 2023 so far and what sports media stories everyone should pay attention to over the next six months. So we go down the list of what we think you should pay attention to. And we also do a, a little bit on the NHL draft viewership, which was super high. J.J. Watt joining CBS as a NFL studio analyst. And then we get into whether we think Tom Brady is eventually going to make the Fox booth. That's pretty much going to be content for the next six uh, months. Or not six months, but it'll be content for the next year, basically. So uh, so Austin Carp and Chad Finn coming up on a quick roundtable. I do want to note that uh, had some uh, technical uh, difficulties during the podcast. So the sound of this may be really, really clean, and then the podcast may be just a sound a tick different, and then... The out will also sound clean, so we'll, we'll hopefully um, my equipment will uh, will be good and clean next week, and uh, and that won't be an issue. But uh, coming up, Chad Finn and Austin Carp for a roundtable on the Sports Media Podcast. All right, before we start anything, Austin, right hot out of the Austin Carp Twitter feed. You pulled some uh, viewership numbers for the NHL draft, and uh, I must say, absolutely pretty good numbers for this thing. Tell us about it. I mean, it's huge. Like 681,000 viewers for the NHL draft. I Just to explain to people, it's enormous. That, that smashes last year's record by around 49%. When this thing was on NBCSN, it never topped 400,000. It was like invisible. I, I, I didn't know it was going on as a casual sports fan. So if you want to talk about a win – on going over to ESPN, here's, you know, point in case, like the number that they get for this sort of event. And when they return to ESPN, ABC Airways for the final next year, you're going to see a rise in the number there. But I, I just, that was for the NBA and the NHL, two drafts that you knew outright who the number one pick was going to be in both drafts, both set records. I, I think that's a good way to, you know, put a cap on, on, you know, the season for both of those leagues. All right, Chad, uh, you heard Austin. Um, give us uh, a little bit of background on the NHL draft. Again, this would just be my five-cent uh, guess. I think when you have a star player, whether it's the N- NBA draft in Webinyana, or in this case with the NHL and Connor Bedard, I do think it brings a little bit of maybe extra buzz and interest to, to that year's draft. So that would just be my, again, I'd have to look at it. Yeah, maybe, com- maybe competition is part of it. Obviously, it airs on uh espn that makes a big difference but i do my sense is that would be part of it what what you got any thoughts as to why this number popped 
Yeah, that's absolutely it. I mean, it brings in the eyeballs right at the beginning. Um, people want to see, been hearing about Wimbayama for a couple of years now is the, the next big thing in basketball, literally. And uh, so when the moment came, they wanted to see the Spurs uh, make make that draft pick. And it's the same with Bedard. And he's going to a original six team of the Blackhawks. Exactly. Uh, and uh, just uh, felt like a, a moment of some magnitude uh, as far as drafts go. So I'm not surprised by the numbers. Uh, I know it didn't do that well here where I am because the Bruins didn't have a pick in the first two rounds. But um, it, uh, it, it when you have a player is being touted as uh, one of the next superstars of the sport, it, it uh, always gets that attention at the top of the draft and brings uh, brings viewership. All right, before we, before we commence on why we're here, let me ask you, Austin, again, more news that broke today. J.J. Watt hired by CBS to uh, work on the NFL today. Uh, give credit to Andrew Marsha. He was all over that uh, prior to it uh, happening. Um, you know, having talked to agents and, um, and J.J. Watt, by the way, is a CAA guy. Um, so, you know, more, it, it, that little, little agency, more money for CAA. There you go. <laughs> little engine yeah. Um, so, I mean, listen, like this is a major, major star in the NFL. One of the great defensive players of all time. I would, I would say very, very camera friendly, uh, offers candor. No surprise at all that the guy, um, would get a job. How he'll be impossible to know. I will say this, you know, and this probably gets into JJ and his agent as well. I do think that's probably a good landing spot for a guy who's just out of the league, because the one thing the NFL today is, is it has guys who haven't played for a while. You know, Phil Sims, Asias Sin, um, you know, Cower, coaching, even Nate Burleson's been out of the league for a while. So if you're JJ Watt and, you know, the, the team, team JJ Watt, I do think you like look at CBS and you're like, you know what? I'm right off the field. I can sort of add something that, that doesn't exist there. That would be my thoughts. Yeah, I, and that show kind of needs it. I mean, it loses, at least in viewership, to Fox NFL Sunday pretty much every Sunday for as long as I think I've been doing this. So they do need to, I think, reinvent it somehow. And this is a good place to start. He is fresh off the field, like you said. He's very personable. This guy seems to be living his best life in retirement, by the way. Yeah. He's soccer teams. He's going on NFL today. He's, I think he's really embracing the post-playing career. So kudos to him. And I think he'll fit in nicely there. I think you'll see him maybe come out of his shell a little bit. I don't really know that much about him, you know, as a player. He's kind of quiet, did his job, you know, lunch pail sort of guy, just kept winning defensive players of the year along the way. But I don't really know the personality of J.J. Watt a lot. And I think that's going to maybe bring some intrigue to see what he's like as an analyst in the show. What about you, Chad? What are your first thoughts on that hire? I, I think it's about as safe a bet as you can have um, just – Based on the way he's handled himself in social media over the years, he's been uh, candid, uh, quick to joke about himself, self-deprecating. He's had opinions that uh, maybe you wouldn't expect. He came to the defense of Will Levis over some uh, yeah, some videos that. that went viral not uh, about a, right after the draft, about a month ago. So um, he's shown a lot of personality in that medium. And if that translates to television, he'll probably be... Uh, and if he keep the self-deprecating part, especially, uh, he'll uh, he'll probably be very good at it. Yeah, my other thought on this too. Again, you guys are welcome to comment on, or we can move on to the to the main topic. Is uh, I do think, uh, Austin, awesome. feel free if you want to add. I, I think it's like a it's a much easier lift 
to start in the studio than as a game analyst because you have a collective around you. So you have people you can work off of. You don't have to carry the whole show. Whereas if you're an analyst, even if you're like the game analyst, like the number four or number five game in the week, that's a big job. Like just you got to learn TV. You got to learn how to like be succinct and talk in in quick sound bites. So I I actually think it's very smart for those who um, go in, you know, post post playing career who go into broadcasting. I I think the studio is a great place to start for people. I think the bar is much lower for J.J. Watt, like you said, in the studio versus somebody like Drew Brees having to go in or yeah. even Tony <laughs> Romo. Like, I mean, the, the, those bars, when you're calling those games, that's incredibly high. I mean, people have darts just ready to toss those at you. And <laughs> I do not feel that it's the same way when you are going into a studio role. Don't you think some of that chat is uh, 25 million viewers versus 2 million? It's just the yeah. sheer number of watching, right? That's a big part of it. Uh, you got more time to screw up too when you're in the booth. I mean, yeah, you've got point. a yeah. couple hours for for a football game. You're talking a lot. I, it's funny though. People I've talked to through the years that have done both, usually at the end, end up uh, enjoying calling the game much more if they're good at it and if they they eventually develop that ease in the booth. I, I've always heard lots of complaints about. Not necessarily complaints, just observations about being in the studio, that there's so much downtime and being in the broadcast booth uh, is the the closest feeling you can ever have to being back on the field. So I'm curious how his career evolves, but I I think it's really wise for anybody, Watt or anybody else to ease into it through the studio role first. Yeah, you're uh, you're, the one thing is in terms of salary, you're ceiling, obviously, a lot higher if you're a game analyst versus studio. Generally speaking, that said, top studio analyst, you know. The Bradshaws of the world and Howie Long—they're you know—they're—they're—they're they're, not—they're uh, not—they're—they're not going to a food bank or anything. They're making a lot of money, so um, well, he's <laughs> making so many moves. I expect him to be in Expendables eight anytime now. Like JJ, yeah, JJ, JJ has figured out the different avenues of revenue. All right, the reason we are really here, though, so I wanted to get Chad and Austin's uh, takes on the biggest for them or most impactful sports media stories over the first six months of the year and then what they might be looking for as we head towards the the last six months of the year i will give mine very quickly uh just to sort of start us off and then i really want to hear from you guys are we um, all gonna have the same ones is it no gonna, i don't think so by the way media? this i'm yeah i'll cheat here and this is in no particular order this is not like one two or three but um for me how greg olson and kevin burkhart would handle the Super Bowl because that that's a significant story given that they had yeah. hired Tom Brady at the beginning of the year. Obviously, we all know Olsen and Burkhart getting incredible reviews. It uh, it sets Fox up for, I mean, a good problem, but also a tricky problem because Brady has said so far that he's going to be in the booth in 2024. You cannot make Tom Brady not your number one analyst, just given the amount of money he's making. And so that was, <laughs> so that was number one for me. It was sort of like, how was this new Fox first-time team going to handle their Super Bowl? They handled it great. Another one for me, women's sports explosion when it comes to viewership. LSU-Iowa title game for the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship in April. 9.9 million viewers on ABC and ESPN, too. Just an incredible number. Women's softball, uh, Oklahoma Dynasty. You saw those numbers there. Uh, men's, men's, world, uh, men's College Baseball World Series. Huge numbers, record numbers for that. Austin can get into that if that's one of his things. College lacrosse setting I don't know if it was a record, but absolutely blowing up in terms of their that's been a long time. Yeah. That's been a long time. Okay. So that's my other thing is like the college sports for the first half of 2023, incredible viewership and where this and why this means something is because the, the contract 
between ESPN and the NCAA comes up next year for all these sports outside of uh, football and men's college basketball. So big story to watch. Obviously, the RSN implosion is a massive, massive story in the first half of the year. Uh, you know, I, I I have no interest in spending like hours on that story because it's just it's it's going to change depending on, you know, uh, what, <laughs> what 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 team MLB may or may not pick up production wise. But, you know, we know about the Diamond Sports bankruptcy and uh, the cable industry in terms of RSNs are cratering. And so that's a massive story and one that's sort of not going away. And then finally, to me, Pac-12 meteorites negotiations uh, still not done hitting snags uh it seems like nobody wants them eventually somebody will want them but man you know having talked to uh, a lot of people in the space um there's certainly an interest for like the pac pac 12 like like football championship and some of the you know some of the marquee games but man the the interest just does not seem to be there in terms of the totality of the the package when you talk to the uh, uh some of the media uh executives around so those are my sort of four that I was uh, that I think have been pretty big for the first half of 2023. I will turn over to you, Austin, for uh, for your list. I got to say it's it's it looks eerily similar, but uh, I'll kind of I'll start with my number one, my number one. And that is just the complete shift reinvention over whatever is going to happen with local and regional sports rights. Like you said, the collapse of the cable RSN model. And what does that mean? We've seen it really kind of manifest itself right so far with baseball because, you know, basketball and hockey kind of lucked out the way the calendar fell and the way that bankruptcy fell. But, man, we, this story is not done from a bankruptcy perspective and from what is going to happen when NBA and NHL start. You have two leagues trying to figure out, all right, like, where are some of these games going to be delivered locally? We've seen some situations, some clarity, whether it's in Utah or out in Arizona. But there are going to be more. There are going to be more instances, I think, of Diamond saying, like, no, nope, we're done with this deal. And you've also heard, you know, those AT&T Sportsnet, the Time Warner, the Discovery, Time Warner, excuse me, Warner Brothers Discovery owned regional sports networks. They, they want out of that business, too. So who's going to take over that? Also, the introduction of some new players in that local model, whether it's like a Gray TV or Sinclair's local stations, not their RSN channels, stepping up and entering a market to deliver live sports. So that's my number one is just that shifting model. Yeah, that's a great one. My number two is, like you said, just this, this run that and the fortuitous timing of those NCAA deal, uh, viewership numbers that you were talking about. This year start, this calendar, this part of the calendar year 23 with the women's NCAA title game, like you said, lacrosse, strong softball, and NCAA baseball just shattering records, like all sorts of records, just sets them up beautifully for the negotiations that are going to come with the ESPN. I know Endeavor is consulting with them. There's another month on that deal. And then I think you're going to start seeing them really get into talks with ESPN, which has you know first negotiating rights at the end of this year. And my, my last one is just this musical chairs of TV deals. And like you said, the Pac-12 right now seems to be without a chair. Where are you going to see Pac-12 games? These are these are some very storied, very big schools. How are fans of those schools or schools that are playing Pac-12 schools going to be able to watch those games? And, you know, as part of those musical chairs, I'm waiting to see where things settle on NASCAR. And I'm really, really, really looking down the road to see what happens with NBA, WNBA rights, 
you know, what that new package, how it's sliced and diced. Excellent. Excellent. Excellent list. All right, Chad, yours. Uh, mine overlaps a little bit with you. I, um, the first thing I thought of uh, when we got this assignment was uh, the women's college basketball, the impact of uh, Angel Reese and uh, Caitlin Clark and uh, players who became genuine stars at the college level and uh, ended up having a tremendous impact on the viewership. Uh, this felt like a seismic moment, the, the final four this year in the championship game, and it uh, feels like it's uh, it's going to have a great positive effect on women's sports in the future and of course as you noted richard the you know softball is also in that scope and uh uh, that was the first one i thought of uh you guys didn't mention live golf which is kind of an ongoing story and uh, the merger with the pga and you know how that bleep show all plays out here over the next few months whether Mm -hmm. it actually happens uh how it impacts uh broadcasts um whether there's any waning interest uh, anybody's turned off by this i doubt that'll be the case but it's going to be interesting to see how this all shakes out because it still feels like yeah that's a good uh, one i wish i had mentioned that excellent yeah it's since uh, just so much flux there and uh such a terrible look for the pga that you wonder if it has an impact cynically i think it probably won't but we'll find out um the other thing is just uh uh Another one that kind of bleeds into what we're looking ahead to, but it's something that's been in our minds uh, the beginning of the year is the, the layoffs, particularly in the in the business, but coming at ESPN in particular, um, we're starting to see some changes of people, uh, the, the front-facing people in the Leverett uh, wrapped up recently, and we're going to see a lot more. Uh, the first layoffs were obviously behind-the-scenes people. Now it's going to be names that viewers recognize and uh, we'll see if there's any blowback to ESPN on that and also uh, whether it impacts uh, again impacts their viewership and how the the how ESPN is perceived as you know this company that's spending an enormous amount of money on people like Pat McAfee and uh, these A-list talents Stephen A. Smith but the uh, a lot of familiar faces that maybe don't work a lot but you see them seasonally aren't going to be there anymore and uh, we'll see if that makes ESPN feel smaller to the people that watch it religiously. Yeah, it's good. So, Ch- so actually, Chad, you you hit on some of the like let's look forward to stories. So I'll, I'll give you like what I wrote down. Although, um, and Chad just hit on a couple of them. I think for the latter half of 2023, um, media layoffs. It, I, I would say more like post media layoffs and what it means for those organizations. The landscape. Obviously, yeah, obviously yeah, ESPN yeah. is a big one, and uh, Chad really sort of explained it all. You're going to see names of people um, who you've been watching for a long time. Neil Everett's an example. Uh, again, I'm not the only person who's reported this, but like a lot of these moves are going to be just people not being re-signed. So it might not technically be a layoff. It's just not people being re-upped, and you'll slowly sort of see them not appear um, where you might expect them for like the NFL. Or you might people have been there a long time too. It's going to yeah, be, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I, 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 yeah, I, I, none of us are going to be throwing out names, but like there's enough chatter where, like, right, you get the sense that it's going to be some known entities again, not people like Scott Van Pelt or Pat McAfee or Stephen A. Smith, these, these names they built around, but you know, some like long term people who you've seen on air as analysts or studio analysts, etc. By the way, I, I extend that sort of thought to the athletic and um and the la times or when whatever other big publications have laid off people and like what the impact will be from those layoffs um layoffs are never good 
product always suffers. And so we'll see like yeah. what a lot of these places are after the fact. Um, like Austin, too, I'm really interested in how, how much chatter there's going to be about the NBA and um, and their upcoming negotiations and will incumbents TNT and ESPN ultimately long-term retain. I think there's no doubt that we're going to see a streamer at it. And I would absolutely bet most likely that there'll be a new player, a new large player, whether that replaces TNT or adds to T, or I should say the Warner Brothers Discovery. Um, we'll see how McAfee um, sort of figures out his way or the McAfee brand figures out his way of that whole group and ESPN to me is going to be a fascinating story from September to December. Um, usually when it comes to these moves, there's a love affair, big honeymoon for this stuff for the first couple months, but you know, we'll see seven months from now is McAfee still allowed to have the guests he wants. Um, is he getting any kind of show notes from, you know, the suits <laughs> saying, Hey Pat, you know, uh, we, we need you to spend more time on, uh, on Aaron Rodgers and LeBron, you know, and less maybe time a white on, tank top once in a yeah, while. Less time on, uh, yeah, I don't know. Less time on psychedelics. More time on LeBron. Uh, <laughs> you know, so whatever. Like that's just again, they paid him so much money that Norby Williamson, Burke Magnus. I shouldn't put Norby in there. Burke Magnus, Jimmy Pitaro, like they're invested in making McAfee work. So I think it's going to work early, um, mm -hmm. but it's worth watching. Uh, a couple other things, and then I'll turn to you, Austin. WWE rights. Um, yeah. That eventually plays out. I think the incumbent period for uh, for Fox and NBC is over, so they can sort of talk to other people. But, you know, that's a very, very big, important broadcast package. Um, something that Chad mentioned that I thought was really smart. Saudi involvement in sports. Saw the news about the ATP tour. Sort of like the rumors that does do the Saudis want to get into professional tennis? Do they want to get into some other big American sport? That is an absolute story. Story whether it's uh, the Saudis or the Qataris uh, getting into um, getting into sports. And I, you know, had Sally Jenkins on last week to talk about give your sort of a really thoughtful analysis of sports washing and what that's mean. And then finally, and then I will go to you, uh, Austin. Um, the ad market. Uh, this is something like our buddy Anthony Krupe was always an expert on. The ad market is 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 really troubled right now, and you just wonder how that's going to impact, um, like sports writ large. Like it's not going to impact the NFL. People will always, I think, buy the high end product, but does it hurt some of the other sports um, that need that kind of ad money to to play? So that's that's another thing I'm sort of just looking for is does the ad market rebound? Let's say uh, Q1 of 2024. So at least for me, in terms of like what I'm looking for, the latter half of 20. 23, those were, those were some of mine. What, what about you, Austin? Well, I want to get back to something that Chad said with the, with the live story. And, you know, I, I thought about that one. And my feeling is live itself is a nothing burger for TV. That's why I didn't really include it in my list. Yeah. It, it gets back to, but the good point is that, you know, when I was talking about new entrants on the local side, what Liv has shown, and you know, I'll also use the WNBA here with its ION deal, is that there are a lot of new companies interested in rights. You saw that with Liv um, and Nexstar getting in there. That was their first deal. You saw um, you know, Scripps owned ION. You know, I don't remember them really getting into sports, buying a package for the WNBA. And this week, you saw Roku get their first live sports deal. I mean, it's Formula E, but it's another entrant in the market. And if you're a league property, you got to kind of be smiling with all these, you know, new properties on the block plus streaming platforms. So that was just another thing I wanted to opine on. 
Yeah, that's those. That's that's excellent. Uh, do you have any, any? I mean, again, some of your answer, Austin, about uh, the big stories of the first half of the year would also be the big stories of the second half of the year. But anything else pop up in terms of uh, and you can if there's something that I mentioned, you can play off that. But anything big in your mind that like, all right, uh, this October, November 2023, this is going to be a major story in our world. I was just saying, I'm waiting to see if shorter baseball games do hold up in terms of viewership, whether Fox and NBA oh, that's a good one. can actually see an increase in numbers based on these shorter games. Everyone loves the shorter games, but are they watching? Interesting. All right. What about you, Chad? Are you skeptical about that, Austin? It's, it's, a little, it's too close to call right now for me. ESPN's got a little bit of an uptick. And Fox, yeah. and I don't really know the reason here, Fox really front-loaded their... They you know, did. those Saturday primetime, you know, broadcast TV windows this season, they never usually start those until late May, early June. They had around four or five, six, something like that. By the time they hit June, um, it, it's kind of skewed the numbers a little bit. I want to see how it all shakes out in the end. I got a I got a note from uh, Blair Cofield of uh, of Warner Brothers Sports Communications. Mm-hmm. Worked very hard mm-hmm. on a uh, Thursday. Uh, and she said that um, their MLB numbers, Austin, are way up for their Tuesday yep. package of 38%. I mean, you know, it's one thing like, hey, you get a note like our package is up 3%. I'm like, you know, great. Like, you know, I woke up five minutes early today. I shouldn't get a medal. But like 38% <laughs> is like, that's a real number. Do you, what, do you have a, do you have a explanation for that for TBS's baseball coverage? Yeah, I think it was an incredibly smart move. This is year two of that deal. Those games used to be on Sunday afternoon. And you saw a similar uptick last year, huge increase when they moved to Tuesday. And it's continued to prove to be a very popular spot. You don't have a lot of those midweek ESPN games anymore. You want to watch a midweek national game? It's non-exclusive, so it's blacked out in local markets, except for like once or twice on TBS. Right. Right. So if you want a midweek game, that's like one of your only options now. Interesting. All right. That's a good explanation. All right, Chad, what about you? What are you paying attention to in the latter half of this year? Yeah, well, one of them you mentioned mentioned as a first half story or a late last year story, but uh, I'm I'm curious if Brady looms over things uh, as Mm. we get into the new NFL season, because Olsen was really well received. Uh, As you noted, they did a, they got great reviews for the Super Bowl, but uh, I'm not one of those skeptics who thinks Brady's going to back out of this. I think he's going to do it just from having you know, having watched sort of how he handles and prepares for stuff over the years and how he uh, dives headlong into things. Um, I think he's serious about it. And I, I think he is in that booth, uh, you know, a year from now, uh, a season from now. And uh, we'll see what effect, uh, what that forces Fox to do. But uh, I, I'm curious, uh, really curious to see if it starts sort of percolating there uh, over the course of this season with the the thought that he's going to be, uh, you know, the, the, arguably the greatest football player of all time is going to be part of their broadcasts the next year. Yeah, do you have any? Uh, do you do you have any personal connection with he or his team? I, I'm sure your your football writer, obviously, uh, before he left uh, uh, to go to Tampa Bay, probably you know had a ton of connections. But have you ever? And the reason I ask that is like, have you ever thought about just like reaching out to Team Brady to see if uh, they would talk to the Globe about uh, Tom? <laughs> television interest you might you probably would get turned down but you know you never know yeah i've tried and i probably will again a few times uh, his agent don ye um plays it pretty co- close to the vest with everything as uh you know his client wants uh but i wonder 
And I suspect they may open up to some outlets uh, as this gets closer. And uh, if he truly does follow through with it, like, uh, like I think he will do. Um, it's interesting though, uh, it, when he was playing here in new England, the, the frequent source for Brady stuff was his dad uh, yeah. on the record, uh, on background. I met Tom Senior once. I liked him. Yeah, he's, he's, a, good, he's yeah. a terrific guy and uh, loves to talk. Um, so he may be the one that uh, opens up a little bit about it, what his son's future is before Brady or his uh, people actually do. Austin, I'm uh, again, this is no inside information. Um, I haven't talked to Brady's television agent. I'll probably make a run that way, as I'm sure you know the others in this space will. We'll see if, where that leads. I am of the belief he's going into Boston in 2024. I, I think at this point, I, I'm. by the way, I would totally bet he's not going to make it to 10 years. I would bet everything. <laughs> I cannot see that. But I just think that guy with his competitiveness, the fact that I think he's trying to find sort of what his post-NFL career is going to be. That um, it's gone so well for Manning. That, that's think, also a yeah. Factor. I just I think like I just I not to mention that's a lot of money to just walk away from. Even for Tom Brady, you know that that's significant money to just that they're going to give to you. Um, so I think he's going to do it. I, I by the way, I have no idea if he'll be good. My census will be better than I think conventional wisdom thinks. But if you were asking me today, like I, I would bet, I put I would say 60 percent. Tom Brady's going to be in Fox's booth, and then that's you know. Uh, Brad Zager and Eric Shanks got to figure out what to do with Olsen, but uh, I, I think it's Tom Brady and and Kevin Burkhardt in 2024. If I if you ask me today, I think it's going to happen. What about you? I'd go higher. I'd go 75, 80% that he's going to be in that booth. I, I agree with, yep. yeah, I yeah, agree with your rationale. I, they're they're going to make it happen. They've invested a lot. There's it, It's all anybody wants to see. He's going to be a draw. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of chatter this year. I think they'll come to some equitable from whatever first, solution is with, with no, just, just pay, just pay. I mean, to me, I, I, I get that this is like first world problems of the highest order. I mean, it's ridiculous. It's like uh, you're at a restaurant and should I get this wine or this brandy? That's <laughs> sick. Can't you just basically just pay Greg Olson close to what a number one guy would get and just say, Greg, we understand this is a tr- tricky situation. You're going to be, you're going to be the best number two analyst in football. We, we have great, <laughs> Sunday, we have great Sunday games anyway. Here's uh, I'm making this up, right? Here's ten million dollars a year to to work with uh, um, Joe Davis. Have a great broadcast. I don't know. I, I I don't I don't know if he he's got the leverage. I think in this situation, if he if he wants where's to he, stay there, yeah. I don't I don't know if I agree with you. Where is he going? Where's the leverage? Who's hiring him if he doesn't stay with Fox for a number one job? Right now, I don't know, but things can change over the next year. They really can. Um, Would you tell, let, let me ask you this, Chad. If you're Greg Olson, okay, and I said to you, you can keep, you could be at Fox number two, big money, or I'll give you Kirk Herbstreit's job at Amazon. What do you do? Yeah, that was the first one I thought of, Herbstreit. Yeah. Uh, if, if that doesn't work, um, number two job at Fox or or Amazon? I think the Fox job is better. What do you think? I do too. I mean, it's still higher profile. Um, uh, the the money uh, probably depending on how much Amazon wanted to throw his away would probably be better on that end. How long's Collinsworth signed for? I don't know off the top of my head. I think that I was think, the number. That was the second one I was thinking. Yeah, of. I, I think like, a little uh, bit. I think a little bit longer. And I've also heard he doesn't necessarily want to walk away. So yeah. I, you know, NBC. The one thing about NBC, you know, Sam Flood and company, Mark Lazar, they're pretty loyal to their talent. And they so, are. yeah, I, I'm not so sure that NBC would blow out Collinsworth. 
to bring in Olsen. I also think if you're Olsen, this is just me again, if I was his agent, I think you, you, you play nice with Fox. You'd be a total team player. They're going to give you a raise. You hang out for two years or three years and Brady's Brady's not staying on that job anyway. And then you jump back to number one as a, as a good soldier. I just, I think, you know, you're, you're, Greg Olson is 36, 37 years old, right? He's not 80. Like he's, you know, you got to think in terms of like a 30 year career. And that is how I would uh, play. Um, but no, I, I don't think we see the, I, I, you know, like, I think, uh, no, he doesn't reach the end of that 10 year deal. Like, I don't think crypto.com stays on that building in LA for the full length of that deal. By the way, let's thank Tom Brady because he just gave us literally 12 minutes of content and he's not <laughs> working in broadcasting. Spend my life for 20 years up here. Come on. Uh, yeah, I know. Tom, <laughs> Tom, you, the, Tom Brady, long time listener. The, uh, we need the, a first time caller. The Globe, <laughs> EDI, and uh, what's that other station in town? Sports Hub. Yeah, it's one should, with the ratings. Oh my God, they should send Brady. Uh, they should send Brady fifty gift baskets. Send them all the Jeter gift baskets. We didn't even uh, get the Jeter on Fox. We'll get to that in another in another podcast. But like, oh, I'm there for that. I just just, just it, it. No offense to Derek Jeter. I mean, Hall of Famer uh, seems like an okay guy, but I, I, that money to me could be spent better. But we'll get we'll get to that in a, at another podcast. I'm not seeing it. I'm not seeing Jeter bringing in a flotilla of people. But you know, Fox. ESPN, they hired Nomar. They love, yeah, that's true. They love star. They should have hired Rick Paulson. They love stars. Um, they love Yankee. Well, they got Ortiz on there too. Yankees and Yankee killers. They love Fox loves Yankees and Red Sox. Is there who else? ESPN, I, but what's with K and Gay Rod doing the London broadcast for ESPN? I mean, nobody likes A Rod anymore. I must say, I it like. Didn't Michael. Fin- it didn't what? seem sincere at the beginning either. I like Michael Cad. Sometimes I get killed for that on Twitter, but I'm I'm staying with it. I, I've always liked Michael Kay. He All can't right. criticize the Yankees, though. He criticized him occasionally on his radio show during the afternoon, but yeah, he's not going to go full. He's not going full Aya Stark on him ever. Because, <laughs> um, all right, Austin. Anything else before we get out of here? I know my my producer Patrick well, has things to do. I know we talked a lot about Brady. We talked about Watt, but man, the voice I'm going to be missing the most, or paying uh, paying attention to, or no, more like missing the most in the fall is going to be Andrew Siciliano. Because oh, I, oh, that's good. I like that. Yeah, yeah. I was a hardcore, very hardcore red zone consumer, pretty much from the beginning on DirecTV. That guy was so good on that program. Yeah, I agree. I'm going to miss that. And he got, Scott Hansen gets all the love. Well, he got, you know, Siciliano got, got caught in, in stuff that has that was way above his pay grade. It, you know, yeah. that's, like, but I agree with you. I think... Uh, um, I liked when there was two red zone options. I actually thought that was really good for uh, viewers. And by the way, quick shout out to Ryan Rucco, who uh, called a no hitter. I'm sorry, who called a perfect game for the Yes Network, filling in for Michael K, uh, and had a great call uh, on that. Pretty cool. Like you're uh, not the regular full time uh, television voice. You just happen to do the uh, the A's game. You figure whatever the Yankees are just gonna roll over the A's and get to call a perfect game. So he's a pro. Yeah, very very much so. All right, Austin Carp, of course is uh he's one of the top editors at the sports business journal follow uh, his work there follow him on twitter as i've always said uh part of the uh part of whatever small group you want to name of the best and most accurate and most trusted sports viewership experts in the united states chad finn does not have that kind of august title but he is an excellent sports uh, (laughs) writer yeah at the boston globe follow his work at that very very fine paper as well as on uh, twitter guys have a great uh 
hope we get you guys get some days off have a great uh fourth of july i really appreciate you doing a quick one uh so i can get some fresh content and thanks for joining me today on the sports media podcast you bet man it's great talking to you guys good talk all right, back in the studio, my thanks to uh, Austin and Chad for their time and insights. If you like these conversations, uh, head to the archives. There should be some stuff uh, that you'll find interesting. James Andrew Miller was the last podcast guest on uh, his topic was ESPN management changes. Had Washington Post sports columnist Sally Jenkins. She has a new book, and uh, we also got into some other topics. Taylor Twelman was a guest on this podcast in mid-June talking about how Apple and MLS can maximize Leo Messi's time in America. CBS Champions League host Kate Abdo was on this podcast June 14th. Uh, and uh, Jeff Van Gundy's been a recent guest. Uh, Beth Mullins and Mich- Michelle Smith on Calling Women Softball. Again, hopefully there'll be some stuff in the archives that you appreciate. Um, if you like this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and a nice note. That's how this podcast continues. I want to thank Patrick Antonetti for all his hard work, especially this week. Uh, with uh, the tech issues, which I think were on my end here. And um, and Odyssey, of course, for their support. Uh, have a great 4th of July. Have a great Canada Day. And we'll see you soon on the Sports Media Podcast.